Father God, we do thank you for Jesus and his gift, the gift of his life for us. We pray that as we look at your word, we may be struck anew by that incredible gift. We ask in his name, your name, Amen. Well, on Tuesday, there was a big celebration here at our church. It was Nowruz. And there were a few from our congregation here celebrating. Nowruz, it's a 3,000 year old celebration of the Persian New Year. It's linked to the vernal equinox. And so all across Western and Central Asia, people in Iran, Afghanistan, Azerbaijan, Tajikistan, the Kurds, many others celebrate, they might change the pronunciation, now Ruz. It was supposed to be the start of the reign of an ancient, perhaps mythical, Persian king named Jamshid, which is Jeff Dillon's actual name in Tajikistan. In, in Central Asia. It means, now rules, I don't know how good your Persian is, mine's not great, but it means new day, now rules. Now if you're a Kurd, you don't say Happy New Year on Tuesday, you would say, New Raz Piroz which literally means new day to be victorious. So instead of Happy New Year, new day to be victorious. Hey brother, new day to be victorious. Or perhaps you might say, Biji Nuraz. Biji Nuraz. Long live Nuraz. Long live the new day. It's a new year. It's the start of a new year. Day to be victorious. A good day. And so they were here celebrating, dancing and singing and eating on Tuesday, the Persian, our Persian, some of our Persian friends. But the Jews do not celebrate on this day because it is not their new day. For Israel... The new year begins with the Passover feast, which is about the same time. The first Passover, you see, was the time when God formed them as a people. The Passover was the day of their deliverance, the day of their salvation. See, millennia ago, the descendants of Israel, or Jacob, went down to Egypt to escape a great famine. They stayed there 400 years. They were enslaved by the Egyptians. They were harshly oppressed. But God had promised to bless the world through the descendants of Abraham, through the 12 tribes of Israel. And so when the time was right, he rose up, raised up Moses and his brother Aaron and they were sent to speak to Pharaoh on behalf of God to say to Pharaoh, let my people go. But Pharaoh hardened his heart. He was stubborn and rebellious against God. He would not let the people go. So God sent warning after warning. He sent plague after plague upon Egypt, but Pharaoh hardened his heart and he would not let the people go. Finally, the tenth warning of the tenth plague. Watch out, Pharaoh. By night, the Lord God of Israel will pass through the land of Egypt And every firstborn male of man and beast will perish that night if you do not let the people go. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. But for the Israelites, there was a way to escape this plague. They were to take a spotless, perfect, year-old male lamb and they were to slaughter it at twilight 
and have a peculiar feast which David read about for us. The blood of this lamb was to be painted on the doorposts of their house. And that night they were to eat this feast in a hurry with bitter herbs dressed ready to leave the land. We read in Exodus 19, Exodus 12. Eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. On that same night the Lord says, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And so it was, so it came to pass, the tenth and final plague, and Pharaoh now had had enough. And he let the people go. And they were delivered from slavery. And so on that day, in chapter 12, the Lord says, This month is to be the month, the first month of your year. The Passover is to be the start of your calendar. It's to be Israel's Nauruz. For then they had freedom from slavery. They had the birth of a nation. They had a people. They became a people belonging to God. And on this Passover, this new day, God reveals his nature, or at least some of his nature. For starters, he is judge. He is Lord. He rules. Do not ignore him. Do not mess with him. When he says, let my people go, when he gives warning after warning, listen and obey because he is the Lord of life and death. He is judge. But he is also saviour, redeemer because instead of passing through in judgment as he did with Egypt, those who disobeyed him, the Lord passed over those sheltered under the blood of the sacrificial lamb that was sprinkled on their doorposts. He saved them. But finally we see that he is the covenant, faithful, relational God of his people who wants to restore because those he saves he calls to himself and they are to be his people. They are to tell his story year after year. They are to declare his glory and celebrate his goodness in saving them. And so the Passover was an annual reminder. Our God is judge, our God is saviour, our God is relational, promise-keeping, covenantal. It's a new day. We are free people. We have a mighty God who is mighty to save. We've been purchased by blood to serve him. Well, Israel was led into the promised land and they were given God's good law and they had God's presence amongst them symbolically in the temple and the tabernacle and they had this system, this sacrificial system where they would slaughter animals where their blood would be shed as a symbol that God would forgive them, that their blood need not be shed to pay the price of their sin. But Israel kept failing. They kept ignoring God. They kept disobeying. They wanted to do their own thing and ignore God's laws. Choose their own gods. Who cares about sin and rebellion? And so we have in the Old Testament, which is long, this repeated pattern of Israel's sin and God's judgment to correct them and his deliverance of them. And then there's sin and God's judgment and his deliverance of them. The writer to the Hebrews says, See, the problem is 
This sin problem is never sorted out. The writer of the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, the law, that is the Old Testament systems, is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. It's not the realities themselves. For this reason it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. They come up to the temple, they make a sacrifice, but it never made them perfect. Just year after year, goats and bulls and sheep slaughtered and most of them eaten, but year after year. If it could, would not they have stopped being offered? Wouldn't they just pack the temple away and shut it down? For the worshippers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have to felt guilty for their sins. But these sacrifices are an annual reminder an annual reminder of our sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. The law, the temple, the sacrifices, their whole culture, their whole religious system just said you are bogged down in sin and rebellion. You've got a problem. Oh, that there might be a spotless, perfect lamb of God, a Passover lamb, that would be suitable so that the Lord could pass over their sin and not account it against them. But who or what is worthy? Certainly not bulls and goats and sheep. What can wash away their sin? Good Friday, God sent a worthy sacrificial Passover lamb. God came to us in the person of his son, Jesus. The angel appeared to Joseph, his father, before he was to be born and said, you'll name him Jesus, which means God saves because he will save his people from their sins. He will be God's anointed one, the Christ, the promised Messiah. John the Baptist, when he first meets Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Paul wrote to the Corinthians that our sacrificial Passover lamb has been our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Jesus, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. When you go to the Gospels, well we come to the crucifixion. At the end of every one, almost the high point, where dressed in mockery with a crown of thorns on his head, Jesus is led to Golgotha, where nails are driven into his hands and feet and he is raised up on a cross and literally left hanging out to die. Oh, and by the way, it just happened to be the start of the new year. Did you know that? John is at pains to point out that when Jesus is hanging on the cross, Passover lambs are being slaughtered. John chapter 13 verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who are now in the world, He now showed them the full extent of his love. In the passage Alison read for us, in verse 31, 
Now it was the day of preparation. It was the day of preparation. And the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. Jesus, the Passover lamb, is being slaughtered at exactly the same time the Passover lambs are being slaughtered. It's just as the prophets foretold. The prophet Isaiah in chapter 53 Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, like a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living and for the transgression of my people he was stricken. The Passover lamb. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Apostle Peter wrote about the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you've been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The Lamb of God, the Son of God died so that we who have gone astray, just like Israel, might be led back to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Jesus died for you. He died for me. That we might be set free. That we might have an exodus, deliverance from slavery. See, can you wonder? Can you see the wonder? Jesus fulfills the Passover. For well over a thousand years, Jews celebrating the Passover the beginning of their new year, the new day, and it's all about Jesus dying on a cross for the sins of the world. And when Jesus dies on the cross, just like in the Exodus, we see God's nature revealed, that God is judge, that sin and rebellion matter. We see that God is saviour, redeemer. In fact, here's the wonder. The one who is saviour is also judge. God comes and dies for us. And at heart it's all about relationship. It's about restoration. Jesus dies so that through his blood his people may be brought back to him. Restored and forgiven and cleansed. He establishes 
as the scriptures say, a new covenant in his blood. God's people are formed. They are given new birth and they are founded upon him by faith. So can you see that the cross is the beginning of a new day, a new year, a new era. Jesus, in his death, is our now rules. And so paradoxically, Good Friday is the best day. It's now rules. It's a new day. New Year celebrations. Hallelujah. Now rules Pedro's Bay. New day to be victorious in Jesus. Biji Nuraz. Long live the new day in Jesus. A day of celebration, a day of feasting, a day of immense gratitude. Good Friday. Naruz. Am I overstating it? Shouldn't we be sombre on Good Friday? Shouldn't we be contemplative? Isn't that what we do? We wait for Sunday. I get that, I get that. I get that we're sort of reflecting on the pattern of the Jesus' death and resurrection. But the new day is Good Friday. When the Lamb of God was slaughtered, crucified, how can we celebrate that? Well, come to me to the last book of the Bible, which Ed read for us, 28 times in the book of Revelation, this wonderful, glorious ending. Jesus is called the Lamb. The blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. Who is worthy? Who can take away sin? What can wash away my sin? Who can redeem? Who can avert God's righteous judgment? Who can forgive and call and cleanse and restore and offer eternal life? In Revelation chapter 5, the Apostle John is handed a scroll of God's end time purposes, God's intention, God's plans. But he can't crack it open. And he begins to weep because he can't open this and what hope if we cannot have God's end time purposes of restoration open. And he looks around and there is nobody that can open it. We read, I wept and I wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. There's been a victory. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And I saw not a lion but a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And he came and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, they fell down before the Lamb. And each one had a gold harp. And they were singing a new song to the Lamb. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and nation and people and language. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and Father. And they 
will reign upon the earth. And then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering 10,000 upon 10,000 and they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders would get this crazy thing and in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and glory and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and earth, under the earth and on the sea and all that's in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Can you see it's a new day and they fall down and they worship because Jesus makes everything new. They celebrated here on Thursday, Tuesday because it was now rulers. It was their big celebration. It was New Year, a new day. How much more should we celebrate our new day, our Passover? How much more should we praise and worship him? How much more, like they do here in Revelation, should we crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon the throne? Will you join with me in song before Johnny leads us in communion as we exalt the Lord Jesus, the lamb who was slain?